Hello, 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 and welcome to my podcast, That Show Fuck Me Up. It is I, the beautiful, the talented, the funny, your host, Mariel Vizcarra. Cue in the applause. What is up, fucked up fam? It's your girl. You already know the drill. Hi. <laughs> I I don't know. I feel like I haven't recorded in such a fucking long time. And honestly, it's because I took last week off. Like I didn't have, well, again, time machine, time machine. So right now I'm recording this on March 7th, uh, Tuesday, March 7th, 2023. And last week, I didn't release an episode, even though I should have, because I was away on a work trip. Yes, it was my business trip. Um, I went to Houston. Howdy, howdy. I came back with a little bit of a draw. If you catch cash, cash, cash money, baby. Yeah, just kidding. <laughs> We're 50 seconds in, and I'm already feeling fucking delusional, fucked up fam. I missed you like that's weird because obviously i'm not talking to you in real time and again time machine so by the time you hear this like it's it's been weeks but i've missed you hi hi am i flirting with my listeners what the fuck is wrong with me (laughs) i can't but I literally just jumped right into personal updates. I spent all of last week in Houston, Texas. Howdy, you from Texas? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so context context behind that little joke. I was with uh, Alyssa, a.k.a. Yaya, a.k.a. Don Chamango, and her fiancé, Dim, a.k.a. Filimex, a.k.a. Mexipino, was there. Um and he he said that someone asked him if he was from Texas, and he's the most like California man that you could ever picture. Well, NorCal, because uh, he's from he's from where is he from? He's from the Bay. He's from the Bay. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna make a joke. Well, I'm just gonna say it. I was like, Alyssa, your Bay is from the Bay. <laughs> If Alyssa ever listens to this episode, she's going to text me and she's going to be like, I fucking hate you. Okay, so this woman asked him if he was from Texas, and I and then I told him you should have been like, no, ma'am, <laughs> with like a, like a Texas accent. And then I know it's not funny. I know it's fucking stupid. But ever since then, ever t- every time I see Dim, I'm like, I'm like, are you from Texas? And he's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> so fucking stupid. So while I was in Houston, I texted him and I'm like, damn, guess what? I'm in Texas. And he's like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> Pure fucking chaos. I already feel it. This episode is going to be fucking chaotic and I am here for it. I love it. I love this energy. I love like... Uh, the demon that's inhabiting my body at this very moment to record this very little podcast episode. So came back from Houston, went to the concur, concur. Oh my God, I almost pronounced it like the wrong way. The if if you've listened to my other seasons, you know about that one time I mispronounced the name of a system, and then a client made me cry. But I went to the Concur Fusion Conference in Houston, Texas. It was it was my first business trip. 
it was really interesting. So back-to-back sessions, blah, 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 a lot of networking, a lot of talking with other organizations and other companies. There were companies from all over the fucking world. Dude, the keynote speaker, holy fucking shit. The first day of the conference, holy shit. What was her name? I feel like I need, I, I feel, hold on. I think I still have the, the app, so it might still be in my agenda. But that, bro, like, that keynote speaker, holy fucking shit. So what is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? My agenda. Um, yes, I think it was this. So her name is Jade Simmons. And she is, uh, she is the CEO of Jane Media Global. Uh, and then she also is a fucking concert, like classical music pianist. But then she like adapted to the times and she started like adding different types of beats and like different types of like music into her piano. It was, holy shit. If you can look her up in like YouTube or something, it was wow like i left there and i was so fucking motivated i'm like i feel like i'm part of a fucking cult and this woman can be a cult leader and y'all know how i feel about cults i love 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 cults but not not like in a creepy way like i wouldn't enjoy well i think i wouldn't join one but yeah keynote seeker was the greatest uh the sessions were fine like i got to like interact with my coworkers that I don't really get to see outside of work. So that was fun. Me and the homie Joanne, aka Tiny Psycho, aka Chaos. Uh, if y'all listen to my White Lotus, wrapping up the White Lotus episode, she was the guest. Um, she was my partner in crime. She was my traveling buddy during the conference. We had so much fun. Why didn't anyone fucking tell me that going to a work conference is like, literally being on a week-long bender i wasn't prepared for this like literally i drank every single day of that week monday tuesday wednesday thursday i the only reason i didn't drink friday is because i was fucking exhausted from traveling because we came back on friday but yeah i mean i didn't really get to see houston it was fine the after party was pretty cool it was like at this huge venue and it was very texas it was very texas if i do say so myself there was a mechanical bull there was um some games outside there was some karaoke and then there was some land dancing i'm so sorry i am so fucking sorry for trying to make an accent Y'all hate me. And also last week, on March 2nd, on Thursday, was the opening reception for the Just a Girl exhibit in uh, LA City Brewery. No, LA, no, Angel City Brewery. So, brewery, sorry about that. If you haven't checked out the episode where uh, Jazz, the curator, uh, has me as a guest on, on her podcast, go check it out. It's on my link tree. Go listen to it right now. Um, but it was... Well, obviously, I wasn't able to go because I was in Houston, Texas, but but I heard, like, amazing things. Shout out to Fern that went with her mans. Shout out to Fern's mans. And they, like, they liked it. They had some beers. Fern reached out, and she really liked the poem. Uh, the homie Melissa from the Chatty Fox Pad, Fox Pod, not Pad, <laughs> the funny Fox Pad. 
<laughs> I haven't shouted her out in, in a while, but the, the homie Melissa let me know that she couldn't go, but that she supports me, and I love her for that. Um, the homie Jose went, and he's like, he's like, amiga, I loved your poem, and I was like, ah! I... Look, I don't need validation from anyone because I know I'm a good fucking writer. I know what I bring to the table, but I love, I love validation. Let's talk about that. I love all types of validation. Is that an issue? I don't, look, I feel like seeking validation from people gets like, is put like under a negative light or like bad light, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. What do y'all think? I'm giving you, I'm, I'm pausing so you could answer. I'm just kidding. <laughs> In this imaginary fucking conversation that we're having. And Jazz also, like, I reached out the next day and I asked her how it went. She told me that it went really well. All the pictures looked amazing. Like, it was pretty full. There was a DJ. The vibes mwah, looked immaculate. I'm hoping to go soon because the exhibit's going to be up for a month. And I want to see my poem. I also do want to record an Instagram reel um, of me reading that poem. I think that's one of my, like, top favorite poems that I've ever written. Like, I really fucking enjoyed the process. And it was a longer process. It's not like a huge poem. But it took me a while to get to where I'm like, okay, this, mwah, chef's kiss. So I want to record a reel of me reading the poem and maybe it'll encourage me to start like posting on TikTok or like start recording some other of my podcasts. Uh, that, that would be really fun. Actually, someone from my hometown from the Valley does like videos and helps like, uh, you know, like musicians create like videos for their like songs and stuff like that, like music videos. But maybe I could reach out to him and be like, hey, like I'm not a musician, but I'm like a poet. Would you be down to like help me create a video? I should do that. I should. I, that's a good idea. But yes, um, so happy of both like going on my first business trip and and being part of the Just a Girl exhibit. And the poem I wrote is called La Niña Monstro. Um, it's called Monster Girl. So just just a little just a little sneak peek and there's a little sneak peek currently in my instagram so maybe by the time that you hear this i've posted the reel and if i haven't posted the reel of me reading the poem hold me fucking accountable oh my god i scratched my mic hold me fucking accountable hit up my dms right now if check out my uh my instagram mariel underscore the underscore creative if i haven't posted a reel of me reading la niña monstruo Tell me to send you my location and come beat the fuck out of me. I give you permission. Beat me up, jump me. Like I don't care. Like that's gonna if that's gonna if that's blah, 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 if that's gonna hold me accountable, then so bit be it. <laughs> so bit. <laughs> uh what else? Came back from Houston, just a girl exhibit. Uh I find I finished my play development course with Yati Theater, so Cimientos. Um, it was amazing. I couldn't go to the last one because it was last week during the conference, but I was able to send my uh my colleague my notes on his poem. It was I say it all the time, but it's so rewarding, so rewarding being surrounded by other like writers and playwrights and just 
other creative souls. It just makes my heart so fucking happy. I've met some incredible, incredible fucking people, amazing individuals, talented, passionate people. I was trying to find another word for people. I'm so bad. Like I, I'm so bad at talking, but I'm really good at writing. So what's up? <laughs> um, but yeah, I thank you so much. Like, I don't know if anyone from, you know, the play development course is listening, but if you are, y'all are amazing. I love y'all. What else? Um, I don't think I have any other personal updates so let's move on to podcast updates so i received this anchor ambassador email and it's basically letting me know that if i have less than 100 listeners i'll no longer get the opportunity to get paid promotions on my podcast episodes and i unfortunately have less than 100 listeners so here is what i'm gonna do i am gonna make sure that I promote my podcast at the beginning of the episode because I feel like maybe y'all don't listen to the end when I'm like promoting it or whatever, but here it is. I need my listeners' help to try to get, you know, the podcast more recognition, get it out there for more individuals uh, to listen to it. I'm just trying to get that show Fuck Me Up on the map. And I a thousand percent believe that we are capable of doing that yes we fucking do yes we fucking can so again just you can help out the podcast and you can help out me by following the podcast on social media by leaving a five-star review and if you write a written review even better you could recommend this podcast podcast to a friend to a lover to a spouse to a hater to your gardener, to your dentist, to um, your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend or ex-partner. You can literally recommend this podcast to everyone in your life, to your mothers, to your fathers, to your siblings, anyone. And that's going to help me. Because if you tell one person, that's going to help me out. And if you help me out, I'll kiss you in the mouth. Just <laughs> I need to stop making these fucking promises, dude. Like, literally, I'm going to set up a kissing booth, and you can come up, and I'll kiss you in the mouth. But, but, before I kiss you, I need to see you rate the podcast five stars, and then leave a little review, a little written review, and then I'll kiss you. This ain't for free. This mouth ain't free. <laughs> I fucking love myself. I was going to say I fucking hate myself, but I love myself. (laughs) Also, I wanted to give a quick shout out to the Lights Camera Rant podcast. They gave us a shout out on their, I think it's a series that they do. What is it called? Uh, Shout Out Mondays. And they shouted us out with a bunch of other podcasts. So one of them is called uh, Too Critical. Uh, The other one is Bucket of Shum. The shark movie podcast <laughs> so if you're into shark movies check out the bucket of chum date night at the movies and then those those movie dudes podcast the other one is release date rewind podcast 
Cinema Drive podcast, and then of course, yours truly, That Show Fucked Me Up, a podcast. And then uh, the last two are Not a Strong Start podcast, uh, a movie podcast, and That Cartoon podcast. So shout, thank you so much, uh, Lights, Camera, Rant. Uh, I fucking appreciate the shout out. I, yeah, it's it's great when other people end up like shouting you out. And then uh, because of the shout out, some other like podcasters um, followed me. So I'm excited about maybe collaborating with them in the future. And I think that's it for updates. Let's move on to re the recommendations corner. So I, so this past weekend, I went back home to Calexico and me and my siblings didn't do nothing Saturday night. So we were just like, let's chill and watch a movie. And we were just like, scrolling as you do through all of the different fucking like apps right and then we landed i think what was it is it hbo max i don't know what it was but we ended up watching the book of life so my homie mario had recommended it to me he's like it's like he per prefers it over coco bro this movie was fucking crazy guillermo del toro wow dude like this movie had so many twists and turns. I was shooketh to my very mother fucking Koreth. So yeah, shout out to, to Mario for the recommendation. It was really, really good. I enjoyed it. It got me in my feels as those type of movie does. But it was oh, it was a definitely must watch podcast. So one of the podcasts that followed me after the shout out is called How Does It End? And it's basically two, I believe they're two friends or I don't know if they're sisters, but they literally watch the first episode of a show and then watch the last episode of the show. And then they try to like, so in the, when they watch the first episode, they're like, okay, I like getting introduced to the characters. They're like, who's going to be here? Who's going to die? Like, what do you think the premise of the show is going to be? And then they watch the last episode and try to see if like their predictions were right. It's called, I, I don't know if I already said it, How Does It End? Uh, and it's really, I, I like it. They covered, what did they cover? Ghost Whisper. They did uh, fucking, oh my God. They have like Riverdale. Um, which one did I watch? How Does It End? Um, they, they did That's So Raven. Like... <laughs> like really random they did game of thrones they did lost so i was i was listening to all of those um so i recommend it it's it's a good listen they're fairly new so i think they started september september 3rd 2022 it's their i think it's their first episode yeah <laughs> And they covered Seinfeld, um, but then they do Dexter, they do The Sopranos, Supernatural, Everybody Hates Chris, The Golden Girls, Naruto, Dash and Lily, so, and oh, the last episode they did, their their most recent one is on Money Heist, Casa de Papel, uh, for y'all English-speaking Spaniards, <laughs> just La Casa de Papel, <laughs> I tried to do a Spanish accent, that was so bad, I'm so bad with accent. But yeah, go check them out. Um, TV shows. So I don't know who the fuck recommended me this TV show. But I was back home. Back home, I have a TV in my room. Um, I don't know. Just one day, I went back home to visit, like, my parents and, like, my siblings and my dogs. And then there was a TV in my room. 
and it has a Roku. And I think it's because my, my dad used to like work out of the state. So he would travel and he would bring like all of his shit. So he had that mini TV and he bought that Roku. Someone bought it. I don't think my dad bought it. I think my dad just kept it. <laughs> but this TV appeared in my room. So now I have a TV. It's tiny. It's a tiny TV. So don't think it's cool or nothing. Um, it's just, I, I don't know why I said it's cool, but like I gr never grew up having a TV in my room because like we just weren't that type of family. <laughs> rich. <laughs> we weren't rich. Um, but I really see like snippets and edits of Fleabag on TikTok and I was like really intrigued by it and I started watching it and holy fucking shit I love I love the breaking of the fourth wall I it's good it's raunchy it's dirty it's it's realistic it's like this woman her like her whole life's falling apart but she's like just like powering through and the friend that she had a cafe with died and ugh, no spoiler well that that's not really a spoiler but the reason why she died and all of the other things that happened before are uh i'm conflicted i feel conflicted about this character because i don't know if she's like i don't know if she's supposed to be likable because something she does i'm just like bitch no bitch stop like why are you doing this to yourself she's complicated she's a complicated woman and not all complicated women are likable i'm a complicated woman i'm likable but i'm the exception yes yes i am <laughs> uh let's see book music uh music actually the new song with Los Angeles Azules, Santa Fe Clan, and Casu, my favorite Argentinian trap artist, just came out. You heard that route. Los, right, not route. You heard that right. Los Angeles Azules, Santa Fe Clan, and Casu. Do I believe it's called Do It Do? I just watched the music video. It's so good. I mean, who, if you don't like Los Angeles Azules, there's something wrong with you. Like, I'm sorry. There's, you you need to check yourself you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself because they're so good i love me some fucking cumbias i just want like i want to feel them in my soul so definitely go check out that music video like literally it came out just a couple hours ago and i i love casu i love her and i love how she's dating christian Nodal right now and i think they're like the most like the cutest couple ever they're so cute they're so fucking cute um but this but before further ado i feel like i haven't said that in a long time oh my god and i said it correctly the first time so let me try it again before further ado let's get started with today's episode Ooh, that sounds so fancy <laughs> all right episode seven of wait what, what am i saying <laughs> yes episode seven of the haunting of bly manor is called the two faces part two the episode opens up and it's a black screen and we're only hearing voices and and it's Flora saying she hasn't moved and then Miles asks are you certain I don't like this <laughs> and Flora responds that she does not like it either and Miles then says that he's not arguing but he just doesn't understand how this is part of the game and Flora says how people do not believe in games Danny comes too as she opens her eyes and we're able to see that Flora and Miles are standing in front of her and Flora asks if she was tucked away and she wants to know if Danny will let her know where she went. 
we now notice that Danny is tied up, tied up, and she has like a gag over her mouth, and she begins to cry. And Flora looks up and asks, and just says, "Why not? She's our friend. She's worried. Look." And Miles says, "She can't even hear you. I think she would feel better if you told her this yourselves." Flora adds. Come on, she's scared as Danny continues to cry and trying to break free from her restraints. But then she stops when she hears footsteps and we see that Peter Quint and Rebecca have decided to show themselves. Obviously, Danny is scared shitless and they just stare at her. Peter asks, what's the matter, Miles? And Miles just reiterates that it feels wrong and Peter gets down at Miles' level and explains how sometimes life's, life is funny in that way. That right can seem wrong and wrong can seem right and how that is a difference between children and adults. So basically, Peter's like telling him that since they're children, they don't know what's right. Peter gives the example of what Miles did to the bird and how even though that felt wrong to him, it brought him back to Flora and now he is able to keep Flora safe. Miles lets him know that it is not the same and Peter agrees and he lets him know that he has not done anything wrong and neither has Flora. But Miles lets Peter know that Danny is scared and Flora asks if they can tuck her away somewhere nice so she can feel a little bit better. Flora asks Danny where she would like to go, if she could go anywhere, and to give her the best option she can think of. But Rebecca lets Flora know how it, how it doesn't work like that and that it isn't that simple. Flora asks why not, and Peter makes up an, ex an excuse that Danny has never gone dream hopping before and that it can take a lot of practice. And Flora lets them know that Danny is very clever and how she would learn very fast. And Rebecca lets her know that it's different. And then Rebecca gets, she's like, she gets distracted by like Hannah's voice saying priceless heirlooms from a different location. Like if it, like if Hannah was saying that from a different room and Rebecca tries to continue her train of thought, like talking to like Flora about how it doesn't work like that way. But she hears uh, Hannah's voice again and Re Rebecca can't like, keep like she can she's getting distracted so she begins to walk towards the voice that she's hearing and peter tries to get rebecca to snap out of it but she then she just disappears and peter seems upset and he he lies to the kids and tell he tells them that she's dream hopping a little and how she'll be back in a bit peter gathers himself and he lets them know that the important thing is that they have to figure out what to do with Danny. And Danny is obviously terrified. She's like, what do you mean you have to figure out what you're going to do with me? I'm tied up and gagged. This is not going to end well for my girl, Danny. <laughs> Peter says how Danny could get them in a lot of trouble so that they have to think of a way that they could help her, but also do it in a way so that she could dream hop too. And he asks the children if they would not like that for her. And Flora turns to Danny and she explains that she typically doesn't like it too much, uh, dream hopping, uh, and how it's inconvenient and that she hates when it ha happens unexpectedly, but that all the other times she finds it perfectly splendid. Take a shot. <laughs> Danny begins to cry louder as Flora explains to Danny how she'll like it. And Peter adds that there are different keys, but then Peter hears loud knocking and he begins to get distracted the same way that Rebecca did. And he says, that's Hannah at the door. Peter tells Miles that next time Hannah knocks on the door, he needs to tell her, her exactly what he says. And Miles is confused because he can't hear the knocking. The knocking is getting louder and more persistent. And Peter is distracted. 
and Flora Flora's voice uh, says how he's slipping away and how she doesn't know what they should do since they can never tell how long it's going to take them to come back. So it cuts to Peter Quint in a flashback and he's in his apartment and he opens the door and it's his mom and he just ma- he just mutters, no. And she asks if that's what he's going to say to her after all this time. So she walks into his apartment and says, look at this. Well, look at you. And she and, and Peter asks, you're out? And she says that she is. And he asks for how long this time? And she responds, forever. I suppose they say that I'm cured. And that they also said she was free to go. Peter Quinn asks his mother what she wants. And she says that she only needs a little help since she's trying to get a fresh start. And how it's difficult because the doctors don't didn't even give her a note. Uh, and Peter and she tells Peter how she's scared and how she does not get a place to live or a job. Uh, that that she does not have a lot of options. And she asks where she's going, what she's going to do if she does not go back to his father. Peter asks if his dad sent her, and she responds, You know he would kill you if he could for what you did to him. And Peter sternly asks, For what I did to him? And she says how he says it all the time. And Peter asks the question, asks the same question again, For what I did to him. His mother changes the subject, and she says how she literally just told him that she does not want to return to his father for help gaslighting much because <laughs> she did not say that peter asked her mom uh his mom if she and his dad practice her little monologue together and she asked if he wants her to go back to his father or if he wants her to go to the streets or maybe how she might just go to his boss and she says that with a sly smile on her face he asked you're shaking me down and his mom's complete demeanor changes. She like from being like a scared woman that might be out in the streets to like someone that was like planning this. And she mentions how far her son has come. Peter realizes that his dad want um, like kind of made her mom make. Wait, wait, what did I write here? Oh, that Peter realizes that his dad was the one to like make his mom go up there and how now she's shaking him down. And his mother mentions his criminal records and how Henry might not know about them. Peter explains to his mom how he is not a rich man, how he is not a rich man. And she asks if do you only work for one? And she says, forgive me, I misread. Peter closes his eyes, and on the next scene, Rebecca is opening hers. Perfect transition. Yo, Mike fucking Flanagan, man. The transitions are oh, so fucking beautiful. I love them. So Rebecca opens her eyes, her eyes, and Hannah's saying, priceless heirlooms. They're not missing. They're stolen. So, and the policeman says how those words are interchangeable to him. So there's a policeman there. <laughs> But that the stolen heirlooms are not the least of it because from his investigation, it seems that Peter, Peter Quint was quite a burglar and how he supposes that he has he had been embezzling. Hannah turns to Rebecca and asks if there was something that Peter told her um, that might give her a clue about his whereabouts. And the officer asks if there's a reason that Peter would confide in her. And she tries to explain. And the officer's like, ah, I got it. And he asks Rebecca Peter did tell her something and Rebecca struggles for a bit and Hannah urges her, urges her to say something and Rebecca lets them know how Peter had mentioned something about ha- like coming 
coming into some money and how he had told her to pack a bag because they were going to go to America together. And the officer says, sounds lovely. The officer also asked, this didn't sound odd to you? All this on a butler's race? And Rebecca quickly defends Peter and she's like, Peter was not a butler. So he wants to know if Peter told her where he got the money and Rebecca says no. And she says how he can't, she can't help him. And he says, I would have thought he told his girlfriend he had the money. If he gave a damn about her, if he loved her, I would think he would tell her more than that. And Rebecca tries to interject, but the officer says, maybe not, since he did leave you behind after all. And Rebecca shouts, no, he wouldn't run, run away. And then she looks up and the officer and Hannah are not there anymore. And she's left sitting at the table alone. Mile walks by and he says, you're right. And she's shocked to see him there that late. And she tells him that he should be in bed. And Miles shares that he can't sleep and how he thinks that he might never sleep again. And how he heard what the policeman said, but that he knows that Peter didn't run away. And how he and Flora told the policeman and Hannah, but how they did not believe them. Rebecca asks what they did not believe them about. And Miles responds about the monster, the monster that took him. And he adds how they thought it was awful and how he thought he was. And then Miles has a long pause and he says how Peter is still here and how he told him to tell her not to worry and that he is still here. Rebecca has tears rolling down her face and she calls out to Miles as he walks away. And then she follows after him. But when she goes to the next room, it is now daytime and she's disoriented for a bit. But then she follows the voice of Owen and Hannah. In, and in the combo, Owen is explaining to Hannah that baking, is, that, that baking is the mixing of chemicals. And Jamie walks in and, and says how she's starving. And Hannah jokes that you can't hurry up, genius, because as Owen explained, Throwing the dough in the mixer would damage the gluten molecules and how he has to manually beat the dough. <laughs> so Rebecca walks into the kitchen as Jamie finds herself something to eat. And Jamie asks Owen if giving one of his cooking physics classes again, if he's giving one of his cooking physics classes again. And he says that it's chemistry and not physics. And Jamie adds that she agrees. Aw, because there's chemistry between Owen and Hannah. Ah. <laughs> I fucking adore this. So Jamie sees Rebecca lingering by the door and she tells her that her that lunch is going to be late. And Rebecca says that she will let the children know. And she looks really sad. And Hannah asks Rebecca why she doesn't stay with them for a bit and have like, you know, just hang out with the adults. And Owen adds that the kids can handle 15 minutes alone by themselves. Rebecca tells him that she's not quite thirsty so because they offer her they offered her some tea and she's like I'm not quite thirsty and how she's just gonna go get some air and she she goes out and that she might go and take a walk because it's feeling quite warm today then it cuts to Rebecca standing in the gazebo uh in the property another gazebo a gazebo in murder house and a gazebo in Bly Manor <laughs> some parallels so she's looking solemn because obviously her man is a thief my old man is what is the song the lana del rey song <laughs> is it my old man is a bad man but i can't do i can't wait, 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 wait i can't deny the way he holds my hand and miss <laughs> <laughs> lana miss dore please please don't sue me 
I okay, let me do it one more time. My old man is a thief and I I can't deny the way he holds my hand. Oh my god, I'm so sorry, fucked up fam. I'm so sorry. I tried to sing that song three different fucking times, and all the three times I failed. Whatever. So my girl Rebecca is solemn as fuck because her man is a thief. Uh, but she really likes how he holds her hand. <laughs> staring out into the lake and we see jamie approaching her as she's smoking a cigarette rebecca asks if jamie is there to gloat about how peter turned out to be both a thief and a shite and jamie lets her know that she's not there to talk about him at all jamie says that someone should point out that this is a moment for rebecca and how it's the moment she has been waiting for so long but she hasn't noticed because she has been moping around Rebecca's confused and Jamie further clarifies that Rebecca should go talk to Mr. Wingrave to let him know that she wants a, a pupillage or a mentorship. And she basically tells her that Peter leaving is the best thing that could have happened to her because that means that she is back on track to become a bar barrister, so a lawyer, or whatever she wants to be. I think she wants to be a lawyer. So Jamie also tells her that she's sorry that she's hurting so much and she says that she does not deserve it. And if there's anything she can do to help, to just let her know. Rebecca thanks her and Jamie walks away and Rebecca just stays in the gazebo. And then cut to Rebecca staring at her reflection in her mirror and then she walks in and then what she what does she do? She walks into her room and from the dark corner Peter Quint appears. Rebecca is obviously startled and she asks where the hell he has been and how he told her to pack a bag and then he just disappeared and he's like, "Oh, please be quiet. Someone might hear you." Rebecca obviously doesn't give a fuck and she calls him a thief and that he almost made her an accomplice and how he would have turned her into a criminal without a second thought. She also tells him how he left her and how he, he did not even leave a note and, and he is arguing that he never left her. Rebecca's confused and he explains that he was there the whole time and how he could not, she could not, he could not see her and that he had to figure out a way to make it so that she could see him. Rebecca tells him how he has to do way better than that for her to believe him. And she walks towards Peter and he cowers away and she asks why he did that and if he's and if he's afraid that she'll hit him. Peter tells her to please listen and how he explains how he never left her and how he would never leave without her and that that is why he is there right now. He apologizes for leaving without her and how he doesn't know how long he left her for. And Rebecca asks, what do you mean? Peter lets Rebecca know that this is going to upset her. And he asks, she's like, can you hold out your hand? And she's hesitant, but she does. And before he touches her, he asks to please keep, uh, keep an open mind about the only thing that would ever keep him from her. And he puts his hand on hers. And obviously he's a ghost, so his hand passes right through hers. And obviously Rebecca is shook. She shook it to her core. And then cut to the classroom and Rebecca's just sitting there looking out into the distance, distracted. The children are there trying to grab her attention and Miles is asking if they can be excused. But she's in a trance and then it cuts to Hannah walking in there and it is now night. So it was from day to night and she asks why she's still down there and Hannah tells her that she's worried. And Hannah's like, oh, Rebecca, I'm worried about you. 
Hannah notices that the children were working on fractions and she tells Rebecca an anecdote of how her friend let her know through fractions how long it takes to grieve a breakup. And she's like, it's, it's the length of the, of the relationship in half. And Hannah tells her that just going off of that, she should be getting over it pretty quickly. But Rebecca disagrees and then Hannah exits. We then see Rebecca walking to the forbidden wing and we when she is there she starts whispering out peter's name and he appears and she lets him know that it was torture stopping herself from going up there and seeing him and peter tells her that he saw her in the classroom but he couldn't let the kids see him rebecca tells peter how they should still go to america and that she does not care if everyone thinks she's a crazy woman that talks to the air but peter lets her know that he can't leave Bly and how he is stuck in the parameters of the property. Rebecca asks if he will tell her now how it happened, and Peter's like, no. And Rebecca tries to hold him, but obviously he's a ghost, so she starts to freak out and have like a breakdown over uh, how he is there, but she can't touch him, and Peter tries to control her, but, you know, like, in the moment as he's trying to control her, he, like, accidentally goes inside of Rebecca, and, like, you know, inside her body, and Rebecca's disoriented for a while, so now it's Peter as Rebecca, and then Peter as Rebecca walks towards the mirror to stare at Rebecca's reflection. Uh, just a few seconds after that, Peter comes back outside of Rebecca's body, and she asks what happened and how she was somewhere else, and Peter starts hearing knocking, and he goes towards the knocking, and we're back to the scene where Peter opens the door, and it's his mother again. So she says the same thing she had previously said, and Peter's like, not again. And he's repeating over and over how he has to go back. It now cuts to Jamie fixing up some flowers in the foyer, and Rebecca runs by as she's putting on her coat. Jamie asks if she talked to Henry about giving her the, the pupillage position, and Rebecca lies and tells her that she did call him and how he said that he will consider it. Jamie calls Henry a twat because she believes that Henry owes that job to Rebecca. And Rebecca heads out because she's in a hurry and Jamie asks her if she's okay. And Rebecca says that she is uh, right, just as she exits through the front door. We then see Rebecca get to the edge of the property. And as she's getting close to it, to the like the parameters, she be, she runs towards it. But then her body hits like an invisible barrier. And then we realize that Peter had gone inside her body again. So they were trying to see if they could like go outside the parameters of the like the um, the property with him inside of her. And that obviously that did not work. <laughs> so that we then see the children and Rebecca are in the kitchen and she's disassociating again. And the narrator explains that after that happened, that little incident, Peter had not shown himself to Re Rebecca again after trying to exit the property together. And how even though she did not like being tucked away at that she missed like spending time with him and we also see rebecca go to the forbidden wing and she's calling out peter's name but he does not appear or he does not show himself rebecca goes back to her room and we see that she's wearing the infamous black dress that we've seen her in before so we know the end of the end is near and then peter appears from the shadows and rebecca asks where he had been and how she had not seen him in a week Peter apologizes and he tells her how he has been learning and exploring and she explain and he explains that he has seen things and Peter asks if Rebecca trusts him and how he has a plan 
a plan that would make that would make them be together again and for them to touch and kiss and peter talks about the little hiccups in time and rebecca lets him know that she does not like those and peter agrees that he does not like them either but how they are temporary and just a blip but how there might be a way for them to be fully together Rebecca asks how and he tells her that it's simple and how it just boils down to her and how Rebecca needs to invite him in forever. And Rebecca doesn't understand how she would do that. And Peter explains that it has to be both of them becoming one. And he says, it's me. It's you. It's us. Rebecca asks Peter if he will take care of her and he promises it to her. And Rebecca tells him how she loves him. And he says, I love you, Bex. And then Rebecca says, it's you, it's me, it's us. And and Peter, and, and, and then he holds, Peter holds out his hands. And then we see Peter go inside her. And when Rebecca looks up, one of her eyes is her normal eye color. And then the other one is Peter's eye color. So cut to a flashback of when Rebecca is wearing the fur coat and Peter tells Rebecca to let him show her how beautiful she really is. And he begins to take pictures of her and then pictures of them too. And then they start making out and Rebecca stops him and she asks if she's tucked away again. And she's confused because he told her that they would be together. And Peter tells her that they are. And then he kisses her forehead and embraces her. And the narrator says that Peter promised that they were equals, but she was safe tucked away in a memory of them where they could be together and he was here alone and he had spent too much of his life alone as peter as and then as peter uh, and rebecca so we see peter as rebecca walking outside with the black dress while the real rebecca is tucked away in that dream of them where she's wearing the fur coat so we see that Rebecca, so Peter's Rebecca, has tears running down her, uh, like, her cheeks. And she says, it, or he says, it's us, Bex. And we see as, and we see as Rebecca's body begins walking into the lake slowly. And we see that in the dream where Rebecca's tucked away under, Peter's holding her. And he has tears in his eyes. We then see Rebecca being underwater and Peter's able to see his own dead body. And then in the tucked away dream, Rebecca is now alone in her room. And she looks up and she sees the surfaces of the lake as if she was underwater. And then it cuts to Rebecca's body drowning under the water. And when she finally stops fighting, her body goes down to the bottom of the lake right next to Peter's own body. It's early in the next morning and we're seeing ghost Rebecca right by the lake's outskirts and she's screaming out no in agony as she's staring at her floating body inside at, like in the lake and she is sobbing. We also see that Flora is staring at this scene so she's staring at Rebecca crying over her dead body and Jamie walks, walks up to her and she asks what she's doing there and then she notices the body on the lake. And she grabs Flora and she runs back into the house. Back in the flashback of Rebecca wearing the fur coat and Peter's telling her how, how with fur like that, she needs to feel it in her skin. And Rebecca starts to panic as she realizes she's in a memory. And she's saying, not this one, not this one, please. Peter begins to take pictures and Rebecca says, not this one, not this memory. And Peter tells her how this is not a memory and how 
he thought that it would make her happy. And she says that it was and how she kept getting tucked away. And Peter tells her that she knows and Rebecca realizes that Peter hid from her after the lake and that he hid from her. And she just kept she just kept coming back to that same memory. And Peter repeats the let me show you how beautiful you are line. And he takes another picture and Rebecca begins to cry. And Rebecca puts two and two together about why he hid. And Rebecca cries and says that when the water came into his, when the water came into her lungs, he just left. And she had to feel the horrors of drowning and how he just left her there to do it alone. Fucking coward. This man, this beautiful fucking man went inside her body walked her towards the lake, made sure she was underwater. And when, when shit got tough, when she literally was fighting for her, her life, he left so that she could feel the horrors of drowning. And from what I've heard, drowning is one of the most traumatic ways to die. Fuck, Peter Quint is a fucking coward. Rebecca tells him that it was not what he said and how it it was not what they had agreed. And Peter just keeps taking pictures and saying how she looks beautiful. And he holds her and says that he had to. And he apologizes, but that he had to do that so that they could be together. Rebecca turns around and pushes him as she calls him a son of a bitch for lying. And Peter argues that he had to do it so that they could be together. He apologizes, apologizes again and tells her that she will also have to do it, that she will soon understand. But then the knocking starts again. And Peter tells Rebecca that when she sees the others and when she realizes what happens to them. No, so he tells Rebecca that when she sees the others and when she realizes what will happen to them there, she will understand. There's more knocking and he's trying to ignore it. And he says that he will show her how. But, that, but the knocking continues and he's in a trance as he begins to walk towards the sound of the knocking. So then Peter opens the door to his mom at the front door again and he asks, he asks we have to do this, if they have to do this again and tells her that he was in the middle of something important. His mom walks in and he says how everyone in the house gets to go around to the warmest little memories and the nicest little moments and how he always ends up there and he calls it hell. His mom asked where else he would go, and Peter responds that at first he thought it wasn't so bad and how he could have been back home with his dad and that he could have been tucked away in one of those nights. But then he realized why the current memory was the worst and that he was in hell because in those other past memories, he was a child and he didn't understand what was happening to him and how he did not know what it meant. And that she was there and that she was there to tell him that it was okay and what, what his father was doing was okay and how he was being silly and that he did not know any better. But in this memory, now he knows better. And seeing her in his fucking doorway and how he has been thinking about every kid that ever spent the night in his house and how she knew about it and how she did not stop him. Peter begins to cry and he asks, why didn't you stop him? His mom replies, he would kill you if he knew where you were. And Peter tells her, you killed me, mom. 
and how she killed him asking her and how she killed him asking him to do this and how he did what she wanted and that it killed him and he hopes that she knows that she killed her own son and his mom responds honey i don't even know that you're dead peter begins to cry and then he's back in the attic and the children are trying to untie danny and he snaps out of his trance when he hears danny telling the kids to hurry and uh, to get the binds off of her Peter goes up to them and he tells them to stop trying to free her. And he goes inside of Miles. And Peter, as Miles, starts yelling to Flora to stop trying to untie Danny because she needs to stay where she is. And Flora just says that she's sorry. Peter comes out of Miles and he's going on about how as soon as he was gone, Danny was trying to pers persuade the children to free her and how that is shameful behavior. And Miles is upset because Peter did not warn him about him going inside him. And Peter apologizes. Rebecca comes back and Peter goes towards her. And they're both happy to see each other after being away in a memory. And Peter tells Rebecca that it's time. But Rebecca is not so sure. And she tells him that they should give the children a little longer. And Peter just tells Rebecca, she'll take them. We're out of time. So he's talking about Danny. Miles asks them what they're talking about. And Peter tells him that it's what they've been discussing the whole time. And that it's time for them to do the thing. And Flora says, the forever house and peter tells her that she's right <gasps> another forever house another forever house my haunting of hill house girlies will understand um Mile asks why they can't keep it the way that it currently is. And he's like, the little hiccups in time aren't that bad. And Peter agrees that they're not, but they, that they just need a little more from them. And how they just need that from them to be their, they, they, that what they need from them is to be their best friends forever. And by doing that, it is going to save them. Rebecca tells him, uh, tells Peter that maybe they can wait until, and, P and Peter asks, what Bex? until we fade away and he goes over to the corner of the attic and he brings out that lady like lady person with no features so similar to the little boy and it's the one that we had seen crawling towards flora when she was hiding during the hide and seek game so she he like grabs her and he's like is this what you want to look like and obviously my girl danny is shook because what the fuck is that <laughs> what is that <laughs> Peter reminds Rebecca that that is what's going to happen to them and he asks the children if they want that to happen to him and Miss Jessel and the kids obviously don't want their features to disappear or like Peter and Rebecca's features to disappear so they just tell them that Peter just tells them that they both can save them and that they can play the game they told them about so much. Flora says that she still does not think it's a good idea, and she looks over at Rebecca, and she asks Miss Jessel if she thinks it's a good idea, and Rebecca just doesn't respond. Peter tells them that it's easy and how they just have to think as hard as they can, and that they have to, uh, so that they have to first think about themselves, and they need to think about Peter and Rebecca, and then they have to think of them as like a whole or coming together. Peter tells them that they'll be just tucked away in the forever house with their parents, uh, and Rebecca chimes in and says, that's right. Flora says, we'll be with mommy and daddy and they won't fade away because they died somewhere else. And they'll keep their faces and so will you. And it will be happy and everyone will just be. And then she's like, you promise? And Peter promises and tells them to think as hard as they can. And he asks Flora to look at Miss Jessel. And then he asks Miles to look at him. And Danny makes a sobbing noise. And Flora asks what will happen to Miss Clayton. 
and Peter promises that nothing bad will happen. And Flora tells Danny how there's nothing to worry about and how she will be going to the forever house with her mom and that it's going to be perfectly splendid. Miles tells Peter that he doesn't he doesn't think feel that it's right and Peter tells him that he will never feel sadness again and how he will never have to go to school or deal with bullies because he's going to take it all and that nothing sad will ever touch him again and how he will get his mom and dad back in a safe place with the and he's going to be with the two people that love him so much and how that makes him the luckiest man in the world and how that makes him the richest person and Peter has tears in his eyes and he's saying how he wishes he could be that rich. And he asks Miles, so how about it, mate? Go and be a good lad. Danny is sobbing and Peter says, it's you, it's me. And Miles ends it with, it's us. Miles's body falls to the ground. And then Flora also says, it's us. And she falls down too. And when Miles stands up, one of his eyes is the color of Peter's eyes. Danny is sobbing and Peter as Miles goes up to Flora and he asks, Bex, is that you? And Flora nods her head and Peter comments how it's so strange and Flora agrees. And Miles slash Peter asks Flora if he feels her, like if he feel if she feels Flora in the body. And then uh, and then Peter as Miles says, oh, and Flora says that she, she responds that she does a little. And Peter says, Miles is just a little tickled now, isn't he? Way at the bottom. And he touches the back of his head. Hannah calls out the children's name and, and Danny's. And Danny's trying to yell, but her mouth is covered. So it is a muffled sound. And Miles asks Flora if he can trust her to finish this one off. So he's so Peter as Miles is basically telling Flora as Rebecca if she if she can finish Danny off. So basically like kill her off. Flora slash Rebecca says that she still doesn't know why she has to, and Miles responds, because she knows. Peter as Miles says how it's okay and to just keep Danny quiet, and when he comes back, he'll do it himself. Hannah yells out again, and Miles tells Flora that he'll be back and not to go anywhere. Then, uh, So then it cuts to Hannah seeing Miles at the foot of the stairs, and she asks where everyone is. And, My and Peter as Miles says, oh, Hannah, you beautiful, beautiful thing. He tells her that he has a surprise for her, and he just leads her down the hallway. Uh, they're outside now, and Hannah asks where they're going, and Miles says, I've been wondering what makes you so special. I know it's disorienting at first, but you've really made it difficult. Walking around, day to day, cleaning up and dreaming up new clothes, carrying on like nothing happened. I thought you were stubborn, but it was more than that, wasn't it? I asked the others. They say it takes a moment. We're all on our own time, but you just kept on dreaming. But then I figured it out. I realized who you reminded me of. Hannah asks him what he's talking about, and Miles tells her that they're almost there and how she'll see it. Miles tells her that he was thinking about a cartoon he used to watch when he was little, the Wally Coyote, and he asks Hannah if she remembers it, and that the coyote would run off a cliff, and then he would keep on going, and how it, and how it, remi it reminded him of uh, that Hannah is like the coyote, how she just went off that cliff and she just kept on going, cleaning the house and dreaming off new of new outfits and earrings and the whole thing. Again, Hannah's like, what the fuck is this little kid talking about? But Miles continues. But the thing is, when Wally E. Coyote looked down, 
then he will fall. And he says how Hannah just needs to look down and stop the charade and face reality so that he can melt, so that she can melt like a forgotten memory. Hannah tells Miles not to be ridiculous and to go back inside. And Miles yells out, no. He says, I've gotten so sick of watching you strutting around the place. No, you need to be put in your place. You need to look down. And then he points down to the water well. Hannah goes over to him and she looks down the water well. She begins to sob quietly as she says, no. And then we get a shot of what's at the bottom of the well and it's Hannah's dead body. Hannah looks up at Miles and he says, meep, meep. What a fucking asshole. Well, Hannah looks up at Miles, who's actually Peter. That's just so confusing. I'm so sorry. Fucked up them. <laughs> so Hannah's transported to her, the memory of uh, Owen's interview when he's going on about how he was a sous chef in Paris. And Hannah tells him how he will have two, two children to cook for and how Miles is picky and Flora is, is a darling. And then Hannah says, Miles is gone and Flora might be too. And there's nothing I can do about it because I'm dead. Hannah begins to cry and Owen disappears and then it cuts back to the attic and Flora approaches Danny and she takes off her mouth covering and she looks over and asks, how did I do? And then Rebecca appears right next to Danny and she tells Flora that she did very well. Danny is startled and Flora tells Danny that Rebecca told her to pretend because he couldn't see her anymore. So she told her what to say. Rebecca tells Flora to untie Danny and Flora tells Rebecca how she still doesn't understand how she thought she was playing a game and that she thought she needed her help. And Rebecca tells her that no one should ever need that much help, not from anyone else. Danny asks about Miles and Rebecca tells her that it's too late for him, but not for, for Flora. And she tells Danny to get her away from the house as fast as she can. Danny and Flora run out of the house and Flora's asking about where they're going and where Miles is and Danny tries to calm her down but Flora screams that she does not like this game and how she's not going and she screams out, Miles, where are you? And as soon as Danny turns around, jump scare alert, the woman from the lake is there and she grabs Danny by the neck and she begins to drag her as Flora screams. End of episode. All right, fucked up fam. Let's get starting with our segments. Uh, starting with, did I said let's get starting? <laughs> okay, blah blah blah. Rewind, rewind. Let's get started with our segments. Starting with, why does that sound so weird? Starting with that shit's traumatizing. So just imagine being tied up, and you think that the children that you babysit or that you care for tidy you up and then you find out that it's all being orchestrated by two ghosts bruh <laughs> the issues the issues that danny clayton is gonna have after the this ordeal if she survives are gonna be monumental the issues, the trauma, the therapy that she will need, I can't even begin to explain it or talk about it. Um, fucking Rebecca finding out, I feel like did more fucked up shit happen here? Well, I feel like Rebecca thinking 
that Peter had left her, I think that's really traumatizing. Well, just the act of being left in all aspects is fucking traumatizing. Imagine the act of being left as a ch- child creates abon- abandonment issues in, in, as an adult. The act of being left by a family member or like by a lover or just like in, a, in any type of fucking relationship, no matter what the relationship is, is traumatizing. Yes, it is. Do we all have abandonment abandonment issues? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I feel like Rebecca in this position is like this man told me to be ready and then he just ran off with some of like the priceless heirlooms and he forgot about me or he like didn't care enough about me to like bring me with him and just like he was a thief and he had like ulterior motives and then you start questioning everything you're just like did this man ever fucking love me did he was did everything he say and do was it just a lie was it just a front um so yeah abandonment issues equals traumatizing and then and then Rebecca finding out that Peter is a ghost because of course she sees him and it's kind of creepy right like you walk into your room and he's hiding in like the dark corner of the room and then she sees him and of course she's upset of course she's angry because she's like you left and you almost made me a fucking accomplice to stealing and like you you don't care about me and why would you do that and then like the realization is like when Peter's like, I never left you. And he's like, just take a second and think of what would be the only reason that I would be kept away from you. And that only reason was death. Literal fucking death was the reason. And then, ah, Peter, and I talked about this in the episode already, but, and like I mentioned how Peter is a fucking coward. But I feel, okay, no, we won't go into that part yet. But the act that this man promised Rebecca and, like, she entrusted him with her life. And he's, she's like, we, we have a deal. Like, he figured out a way. And obviously, she's so in love. And it's like, of course course you trust the person that you're in love with like regardless of what they've done in the past you trust them because you love them and Peter just gets into Rebecca's body and walks her little beautiful little body into the lake and once he's in the lake instead of like manning up and just taking the horrors of drowning he scatters he fucking leaves he leaves her body and then rebecca is the one that actually has to feel everything has to feel has to feel what death feels like i don't know if i'm making any sense but that's just so traumatizing and it's it's kind of angry because right now like this happened before and like now like they've been ghosts for a while now and and she's kind of like on his side and like like doing what he's saying to do and 
I'm like, how how do you ever forgive someone for taking away the most fucking precious thing ever, life? And like, Peter did that for selfish reasons. Like I wrote in my notes that I think that the reason that Peter decides to go into Rebecca's body and decides to drown her is because I, if you remember that one part uh, in the episode where um, Rebecca's going outside and Jamie stops her and like they have a conversation and then like Rebecca's like, oh, I'm, uh, I'm going to go outside or whatever. Like, so she just leaves and then she tries to get out of the property and it turned out that Peter was actually acting as Rebecca and they were trying the whole like technique of like, oh, maybe if I'm inside your body, we'll be able to leave the property. I think... That Peter got fucking terrified about the fact that, you know, Jamie brought up that, oh, have you brought up the pupillage, um, like, talk with, with Henry? And Peter obviously doesn't know about it. So he's like, like yeah, yeah, I, I, I asked him about it. Um, so I think Peter was fucking terrified that Rebecca was going to leave him. What a piece of shit. What a fucking manipulative piece of shit of a man he was like if if i can't be with her i'm gonna make her be with me by killing her he basically killed her he killed her peter quint killed rebecca jessel so they could spend the rest of eternity or whatever eternity is in the afterlife in Bly manner together and I'm still thirsting after this man. Oh, Mariel, 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 you need therapy. You need psychotherapy. You need a fucking exorcism. You need, what did they used to do? Like back in the day when women went like a little crazy, when they went a little cray cray, a lobotomy. Mariel, you need a fucking lobotomy. <laughs> like, I don't know why I'm talking in third person. I'm so exhausted. But yeah, I can't believe I'm still thirsting after this man. Well, I'm thirsting after the actor. Well, both. It doesn't make it any better. I don't know why I'm saying this out loud. However, transitioning, transitioning, transitioning. Getting Peter's background, bro. Broke. That shit broke my heart. And look, someone's upbringing, someone's up. Are, are y'all hearing me? Are y'all listening? Let me be loud and fucking clear. Okay. Someone's upbring, upbringing is no excuse for their behavior. It's not. Every. Millions of people, millions of people have had shitty upbringing and not all of them are bad persons or like bad people, bad people. Not all of them turn out to be shitty people. So that's not an excuse. You know, there's always going to be someone that has it worse than you, okay? And I know like you shouldn't compare yourself, blah, blah, blah. But being a horrible person is not, an, it, it, it's, it's not excusable. It's never excusable, okay? Um, but where was I? So yeah, like we find out that basically Peter, from what, from what we were told, 
and it wasn't much. Well, it was a lot. Peter was abused by his father all of his childhood, and, like, his mom knew about it, and his mom never did anything, and his mom just kept defending her father and kept excusing his disgusting fucking behavior when when peter when peter's mom keeps telling him like if your dad knew where you were or if he would see you now he would kill you and peter's like no mom you killed me you killed me for not protecting me for not taking action for not literally doing anything when you found out that your your husband my dad was abusing me like you're a horrible fucking person and when he said like no wonder i keep coming back to this to this memory because this is when i fucking realized that you chose not to do anything you chose and and, and now as an adult you're aware because as a child you still think your parents are like gods right as a child you're like of course my mom loves me of course my mom is protecting me and then as an adult you're like wow you finally are mature enough to realize that your parents might actually be horrible fucking people right and that's something that is super hard to come to terms with and uh again peter quinn's up bringing does not explain or excuse his behavior but it does give us a little insight into it and then finding out oh peter as smiles you know going to hannah and like the whole like what is it called the when he's talking about the cartoon and he's telling hannah that she's like the coyote and he takes her to see her body. <laughs> Again, Hannah Gross deserves so much better than the plate that she was handed. Hannah Gross is God's literal gift to this earth. And she was taken by a horrible man. Look! Ah! So Peter killed Hannah, killed Rebecca. And I'm and I'm still thirsting over this man. Ah, I cannot, I cannot deal. <laughs> but yeah, dude, like Hannah, like finally seeing the body, and it's like, oh, this is what has been happening. I'm dead, and every time I'm away in like a memory, this is what's happening. And then the ending that jump scare dude talk about fucking traumatizing imagine just like a lady with no face grabs you by the neck and starts dragging you so effortlessly just like if you were a fucking rag doll dude not only are you fucking scared but you're literally choking 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 take a shot <laughs> Okay, moving on to that shit's heartwarming. Uh, there aren't a lot of things in this episode. A shit ton of traumatizing things. And like two or three heartwarming things. So when um, Jamie goes into the kitchen where Hannah and Owen are talking about. And then uh, Owen, it's like, it's chemistry, not physics. And then J- Jamie is like, sure, it, I, 
she's like sure it is you know because they have chemistry like hannah and owen have chemistry and then the adults so hannah owen and jamie trying to include rebecca after rebecca's like all sad and shit and she's just like walking around and she's like in the gazebo and they're they're like before she left they were like hey like come like come stay with us like drink some tea and they were really trying to like include her and just like so she could be part of the group even though her like man left they still wanted her to like be friends with them and spend time with them and i also see that when hannah tried to kind of like make rebecca laugh even though she didn't find it funny by like telling the anecdote of like how long it takes to get over a relationship i know she was just trying to like you know make light of the situation but obviously rebecca's fucking devastated <laughs> um but yeah those are literally the only heartwarming things i have and only one of them was actually heartwarming <laughs> um so i have two things that i want to close with first Take it with a grain of salt segment. Don't ever let a man, a man, a stinky, a rat, a man hold you back from your dreams and aspirations. Never. <sighs> Companionship is nice. Love is nice. But achieving your goals, things you have dreamed of your whole fucking life, things that you've like worked so hard to achieve, that is so much better than companionship, love, relationships. Just go after what you want. And maybe that's what you want. Maybe a relationship is what you want. And that's perfectly fine. But don't let, not even a man, don't let a person, don't let someone that you're rom romantically involved with or in any type of relationship, don't let someone that you're in a relationship with keep you from what you want to accomplish. Period, point black. <laughs> and lastly... So I came to this realization about while I was re-listening to the episode, just while I was like editing and making sure that everything sounded right. When, you know, you and one of the like Miles invited Peter in. It's like, it's you, it's me and it's us. Yes, I know that it's like a child and like an adult man. So, but it's like, I think it's a, an analogy for something bigger. I think that it's you, it's me, it's us, and then merging into one person. It's an analogy of, like, how people give up part of themselves when they're in a toxic relationship. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I was recently talking about that, and I was telling Terry and Ileana, shout out, shout out to Terry and Ileana, we were talking about how, well, I was talking about how I think that the reason that I'm scared to be or find a relationship 
is because I'm not willing to give up part of myself. I'm not I'm not willing to kind of like compromise. And I know that that might not be the case for a lot of relationships, but maybe that's how I see relationships is the bigger issue. <laughs> but that's besides the point irrelevant. I think I'll touch more upon it um in the next few episodes since there are other scenes of merging and becoming one spoiler alerts um but yeah that is all i have to say um we've gotten to the end of our episode yes we have um you already know the drill follow the podcast on social media on instagram where that show effed me up and on uh, Twitter, where that DAT show fucked me up, fucked this spout without a U. Give the podcast a five-star review on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps with visibility. It helps people join the fucked up fam. It helps people become part of the shared psychosis. And everyone wants to be part of the shared psychosis. Don't lie. Don't lie. We all know you want to. Yes, you do. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I just want to thank you all for listening. You don't know what your support means to me. You're you're amazing. I love y'all. And remember, be gentle, be kind, and don't be an asshole unless you absolutely have to be. Goodbye.